Hey, it's Alexis Asadi, and welcome to episode nine of Income Investing, a show that explores different investments that produce income and or dividends. Unfortunately, this is our last episode about real estate investment trusts. See what I did there? All right, so we're going to wrap up this segment by exploring how you can invest in not just one or two REITs, but in an entire portfolio of them. I'll then end the podcast by introducing our next segment, which will begin next week. I think I've mentioned before that we're going to step into my favorite type of investment. It's one that I make all the time, and it ties neatly into real estate investment trusts. So now that we're a couple months in and people are starting to catch on, I've been getting emails and Facebook messages about this podcast. If you don't mind, I'm going to start every show by addressing a question or an idea from one of our fellow listeners. I'm going to try to keep our shows organized and on topic, but if it's a good question that doesn't necessarily fit in, please excuse me in advance. On that topic, if you want to get in touch with me, the best way is through my website. Just go to alexisasadi.net slash podcast and submit your question. You can also reach out to me on social media, but I wouldn't recommend following me unless you want to see a lot of pictures of my dog and of my whiskey collection. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those guys that posts informative or inspirational quotes all day about making money. My Instagram page is about as motivational and educational as a sack of potatoes. So with that said, let's get into today's question, which comes from Jamie. Jamie wanted to know whether real estate investment trusts can be held in tax-sheltered accounts. That's a good question, and the short answer is yes in most cases. In the U.S. and Canada, most REITs can be owned within accounts like Roth IRAs, 401ks, TFSAs, and RSPs. Every publicly traded REIT that I'm aware of can be. I presume there are some smaller privately held ones that can't, but I've never come across any. The best way to find out is to visit the REIT's website and to download the prospectus. It should be disclosed there. Okay, so let's do what we always do and recap the last few episodes. What is a real estate investment trust? A real estate investment trust is a business that invests in properties, which in most cases produce revenue. They generally focus on assets that have tenants like hotels, apartment buildings, houses, data centers, storage facilities, and warehouses. REITs don't put a lot of emphasis on raw land unless they intend to build on it or to sell it relatively quickly. Because of the way they're taxed, they're encouraged to pass on most of their profits back to investors instead of reinvesting them. That, in part, is what makes them a popular income-producing asset. REITs are not always reduced just to real estate. For example, as we saw last week, Companies that own timberlands can also generate income by selling resources like wood, minerals, and oil and gas. They can also lease their land for recreational purposes, like hunting, camping, and hiking. A lot of people who research REITs are surprised to learn that they all react differently to the economic environment. For instance, timberland, office, retail, and housing businesses often perform well when the economy is strong. 
Conversely, apartment buildings and data centers are considered defensive assets and can thrive when markets are weak. Not all real estate is created equal. That means that investors can incorporate REITs within their portfolios to capitalize on market trends of all sorts. You might own a few warehouse assets if you think the economy will grow, but you could hedge your bets with some apartment REITs just in case. Another way to invest in multiple REITs is to buy funds, like mutual funds, index funds, and ETFs. These are companies that pool money from investors and then use it to invest in other businesses. Some examples include dividend funds, income funds, REIT funds, real estate funds, and private equity funds. The way investment funds generally work is that they raise money from investors by selling shares or units. They then use the bulk of the proceeds to buy assets of the fund manager's choice, in this case REITs. So basically, you invest your money in the fund, and then the fund manager will use it to buy a selection of REITs. The manager will also charge a fee, which is usually a percentage of the fund's assets. For example, if the fund has $100 million worth of assets and charges a 2% management fee, it would therefore earn $2 million a year, usually paid monthly. It might also earn performance bonuses and other compensation. Fund managers operate the fund in accordance with its mandate. Some funds are allowed to borrow money and then use it to make investments. This is a concept known as a leverage. Borrowing money can magnify potential returns, but it can also increase risk. Others have strict guardrails in place to limit exposure to risk. For example, it might not allow the manager to invest more than 20% of its holdings outside large-cap REITs. Other funds are not actively managed and thus usually charge lower fees. For instance, the manager might buy shares in every publicly traded REIT in the US and Canada and then walk away. It might revisit or rebalance the fund every quarter or so, but the goal would be for the fund to track the performance of the entire REIT sector. Investors would have exposure to all of those REITs and would participate in their returns, minus fees charged by the manager. There can be plenty of upside to buying REITs through investment funds. First, as I already mentioned, it can easily expose you to a variety of companies. You don't have to sift through the dozens of choices out there yourself. If you want access to international REITs, for instance, you could search for an international REIT fund. If you're looking for an aggressive fund, you can look for one that employs large amounts of leverage. You can gain both diversity and simplicity through REIT funds. Second, fund managers are usually professionals. You can have some degree of assurance that they are working with good information and will do what's in your best interest. They are often graduates of MBA schools or hold advanced designations like chartered financial analyst or certified public accountant. In theory, they should be better than most people at choosing the best REITs. It's difficult to characterize all funds with exposure to REITs because there are so many out there. Some, for example, invest solely in REITs. Others, like many income and dividend funds, might be comprised of 100 businesses, only 5 of which are REITs. There are different calibers of managers and various compensation formats. That's why it's really important to visit the fund's website, and at the very least, browse through the basic literature there. They usually disclose who the manager is, 
how it gets paid, what the fund's mandate is, and what its main holdings are. Publicly traded funds are often a lot more transparent than private ones. You should be able to find lots of information about them from a simple Google search. But for some clarity, let's take a look at a well-known REIT fund in Canada called the iShares S&P TSX Capped REIT Index ETF. It trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol XRE. So you can invest in it through an online brokerage. This ETF, or exchange-traded fund, attempts to mimic the performance of Canadian REITs. It owns 15 of them across various sectors like retail, residential, office, and industrial real estate. If you invested today, you'd have exposure to companies like RioCan, Handrail, CapReit, and Allied Properties. The iShares fund pays distribution to investors each month. It's not actively managed and therefore pays fees of just 0.61% per year. But it's a $1.2 billion fund, so somebody is being compensated handsomely. There's also a REIT fund in the U.S. called the Wilshire U.S. REIT ETF. It invests at least 80% of its assets in American REITs. Right now, it owns companies like Simon Property Group, Prologis, Equinix, Public Storage, and Avalon Bay Communities. You'll remember some of those names from our earlier podcasts. Other REIT funds in the U.S. include the Vanek Mortgage REIT Income ETF, iShares U.S. REIT ETF, Vanguard REIT ETF, and Schwab U.S. REIT ETF. In Canada, there's the BMO Equal Weight REITs Index ETF and Vanguard FTSC Canadian Capped REIT Index ETF. What a mouthful. However, remember that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of other funds that also own REITs, just in conjunction with other assets. They're obviously not a pure REIT play, but you can gain some exposure to them there. For example, consider the iShares Global Real Estate Index ETF. 50% of its assets are in the US, 10% are in Hong Kong, 9% are in Germany, and it also has holdings in France, Singapore, China, the UK, and Canada. About 80% of its investments are in REITs. However, the fund also owns real estate development and real estate operating companies. So, what are the main downsides of investing in REIT funds? The first risk is dilution. As you know, REITs don't always perform the same. This year, industrial REITs might do really well, while apartment REITs might suffer. Next year, it could be the reverse. REIT funds, especially those that aren't actively managed, can expose you to lagging sectors and drag down your total returns. While the entire REIT index might gain 7%, perhaps industrial REITs earn 15%. It can sometimes be more lucrative to pick your investments yourself and focus on sectors that you think will grow. Second, management fees can eat into your returns. If the entire REIT sector gains 7%, you might only see a 6% increase because of what the fund paid to its manager. Further, if REITs decline by 15%, you might see a 16% loss. And third, you are ultimately entrusting your money with someone else. You're relying on their expertise and ethical compass to pick the best real estate investment trusts. 
Unfortunately, some managers lack those features. It's probably less of a risk with large funds because they usually have strict compliance measures, but regardless, it's something to be aware of. An alternative way to use REIT funds is to employ them as a guide. You can look at what reputable managers are buying and decide whether you want to invest in those REITs directly. Essentially, you're copying their ideas. For example, you might go through a large fund's top 10 holdings and see five companies that you think are great opportunities. Then, instead of investing in the fund, you would buy those REITs in your brokerage account. So that's the end of REIT funds and also of our REIT segment in this podcast. I placed REITs at the beginning of the show because they're a great starting point from an educational perspective. They're a widely available asset that a lot of investors love. But they also set the stage for the next portion of our show, mortgage investments. These are loans given to a variety of borrowers, like real estate developers, businesses, and individual consumers. They're secured by real estate and usually pay income each month. They can be highly effective, but there's also a lot of controversy and misinformation about them, particularly since the Great Recession of 2008. For example, some lenders are predators, but others provide capital to growing businesses who can't always qualify for traditional financing. We're going to get into all of this and a whole lot more in the coming weeks. We'll discuss everything from mortgage funds to syndicated mortgages to financing a mortgage loan yourself. So until then, please remember to visit alexisasadi.net and download my free book, The Foundations of Investing. You can also submit questions to me and browse around the website. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later.